It's Tuesday, December 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today for Million Dollar Portfolio and MDP Deep Value, Mr. Ron Gross. Thanks for being here. My pleasure, Chris. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm glad. I am appreciative that uh, you responded to my late query, like, hey, why don't you join me in the studio on Tuesday? You know, I'm always happy to help, <laughs> as long as it's only about once a month. So, it is a short week for us. We're, this is our last Market Foolery of the Week. Next week is going to be a short week, too. But it's the holidays, so that's we're, we're not we're not abandoning you, our dozens right. of listeners. It's not, like, it's not Europe. We'll, we're, we're still it's working. Not, Just I, a little few days here and there. I wasn't going to take a shot at Europe. I was going to say, it's not like the first year we did Market Foolery, and we took about two and a half weeks off at Ooh. the holiday, and we started getting email from people saying, what are you doing? Well, that makes you feel loved, though, right? Um, I, I I felt like a jerk. I felt like an idiot for. Uh, I was like, oh, well, all right. So so that so that's why we're here this week for a couple episodes. Yep. That's why we're here next week for a couple episodes. And let's start today with something that we rarely talk about on Market Foolery. We frequently talk about on the radio show, or at least once a month. That's yeah. the, the big macro because third quarter GDP growing at five percent, the fastest in more than a decade. This is. Well, first of all, this is why the market is rising today. Yeah, me likey. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, this is this is um, pretty amazing. Well, we'll get to the market in, in a second. But yeah. uh, when you saw this report, were, first, were you surprised? Yeah, well, that's a big number. Second quarter was was revised up four point six, five percent on the heels of that. Yeah, that surprised me. It's a big number. Um, we can't persist like that into the future. I mean, the economy just that that's pretty pretty strong but it's great to see consumer spending was strong and business investment uh, looked really good the, there was some weakness in military and defense um, but you know if unfortunately when you look at the world I, I think we're probably gonna have to spend quite a bit on military and defense going forward in the future so I don't think weakness there persists but really strong bodes well for a nice start to 2015 it also makes me think that Q1, when we had negative GDP, that is looking more and more like an anomaly due in no small part to the weather that we had over the winter. I think that's probably right, which is what folks were saying back then. Everyone gets a little skeptical when you hear weather-related um, excuses, but I mean, it was pretty severe. It was severe. I wasn't, I wasn't skeptical of... Uh, well, we gave the retailers a pretty hard time. We did, but I I also looked at the number. If I'm recalling correctly, Q1 the GDP was down 2.1 percent, and I just sort of looked at that and thought, wait a minute, that seems like a pretty big drop right. to chuck it all up to the weather. But of course, that's just one more reason why I'm not an economist. <laughs> exactly right. So you know, now, the interesting thing is you'll often see the market trade down. Uh, on great news like this in, in that counterintuitive way, because now people say, okay, well, higher interest rates are, are bound to come because the Fed has has the, all the, the ammunition it needs to say, you know, everything's on track, it's time to take interest rates up from zero, um, and therefore people uh, sell off stocks. Not the case. People are, are The 5% number is just too big to ignore. It's actually pretty exciting. It's also apparently big enough to outweigh... I mean, if you just think about the big headline news we have had in the quarter we're in right now, the fourth, the calendar fourth quarter of 2014, the price of oil dropping the way it has, uh, Ebola, 
the Russia, the ruble falling through the floor and the Russian stock market along with it. Yeah. And that's had no meaningful lasting effect on the U.S. stock market. Right. Well, lower oil prices actually should theoretically be pretty good, as yeah. long as you don't own oil stocks. Well, uh, yeah, it's, but, it's the, the good outweighs the bad. Or, right. But there's been a lot of things going on in the world, um, both economic and geopolitical. Let's not forget about North Korea. A lot of stuff going on at once. Um, but the market keeps um, trudging along. It's, it's going to be another strong year. Um, if you know, 2013 was is an, was an incredibly strong year, and 2014 not too shabby. Let's move on to Current Green Mountain because shares of the single serve coffee maker are down just a couple of percentage points today on the news that the company is has issued a recall for more than seven million machines, which are apparently, and they've gotten 90 or so reports from consumers. Of burn-related injuries Not that good. apparently these machines are the, the single cup, the machines, single cup machines, yeah. the water's overheating and spraying out at people. I don't mean, uh, yeah, I don't mean. It's not something to laugh at. Obviously, people got burned, but th- this sentence kind of caught me a little, a little funny. Uh, avoid brewing more than two cups in rapid succession and maintain an arm's length distance from the brewer. <laughs> <laughs> that, I don't know. I, I just thought that was funny. Um, I don't think this has any big impact here. Um, they're sending people who want it a free repair kit. I myself, I'd rather have a new new machine. I don't want to start repairing this on my own in my home. Yeah. But supposedly the fix isn't that big a deal. It's pretty easy to do. Um, but it just just it shows you that you know things like this can happen, and and seven million is a big number. It is a big number, although it, it seems just in the short term. That they have handled this exactly the way you would want a company to handle it, they swiftly, decisively, and it's not a great way to end 2014. But 2014 has been a hell of a year for this company. So when you great. look at, go back to the beginning of the year, Coca-Cola takes a small stake in the company, then they up that stake in the middle of the year to 17 percent. The stock is up about 80 percent year yep. to date, 487 percent over five years. The stock—that's an incredible number, especially. When you consider David Einhorn, um, Greenlight Capital hedge fund manager, shorted the stock in 2011, way back when, um, citing some uh, thoughts about accounting irregularities and thinking that the K Cup was no longer going to maintain its its monopoly when it came off patent. Um, he's been incredibly wrong. He finally closed out his short um, of November of this year. Took a loss. It could have been actually much worse. The loss he seemed to get out at decent prices, but. Um, you know this this company has been on fire and, and just doing really well. The uh, the 2.0 that just came out has has gotten a few people a little miffed because it only uses the new 2.0 K cups. You can't use your old K cups, and you can't use those um, that aren't authorized by Corig. Um, so that you know had some people a little miffed. They had to throw out some coffee, and people have come up. You can go to YouTube. People have come up with ways to get around. The um, the technology. In fact, a, a, a company called Rogers Family Co. has come up with a, a freedom clip. They're calling it, <laughs> which is a way to fool the machine into allowing you to use any K cup, not just the new 2.0s. So there's there's a lot of people kind of working around there. But regardless, Green Mountain has had a really great year. The stock reflects it. Doesn't look cheap, quite frankly, right here. But they continue to do really well. By the way, if you're 
a shareholder of this company, and I'm not, but if you're a shareholder, that's what you want them to do, right? There's a new machine, it's an upgrade, of course we're going to have new cups. I mean, I don't begrudge Kerg one second for doing that. I don't begrudge them, but for example, I recently purchased the 2.0 machine, and I really like the Dunkin' Donuts K-Cups. You can't use them. So that was. Do you want me to buy you a Freedom Clip? <laughs> sure, that'd be great. Um, David Einhorn, you mentioned uh, when he shorted the stock, he gave a presentation uh, at uh, some conference, and he had a 110-page mm-hmm. PowerPoint presentation. And I actually went through the whole thing. Again, I don't own the stock. And, you need and, a hobby. <laughs> I, I I intended to just sort of flip through it, and I, it was a, it was a well put together presentation. Absolutely. And regardless of whether or not you thought he was right on the accounting irregularities that he was accusing them of, I thought, if nothing else, the his case for the patents, and you know, it, not unlike drug companies. With drugs coming off patent, and then generics are on the rise, and and that sort of thing. So I, so I, th- I thought he made a pretty good case, even independent of the accounting. As did I. Um, when he closed out his short, did he have a one hundred ten page presentation to lay out why he was <laughs> I wrong? I don't believe so. I think no. it was a little bit, little no, bit more quiet than that because that's not how they roll in the hedge fund world. <laughs> exactly. You're a former hedge fund manager. Do yeah. you have Do you have any thoughts? Because one of the a lot of media outlets are doing their year end stories, and one of the big stories, which is, it seems like one of those things that's a bigger deal on Wall Street than it is for the average investor, is the woeful underperformance of hedge funds in 2014. And not just 2014, it's really a five-year run of, of not doing very well. Why is that? Um, this year, it's, it looks like it's mostly centered around funds that are macro-based, making certain macro bets that didn't pan out, funds that are commodity-driven, um, oil, as we know, um, being one thing that has taken a hit. Other commodity stocks have as well. Um, they're just not performing as, as strongly as, as the S&P 500. And by the way, in, if you have any type of short position in your hedge fund, to benchmark yourself against the S&P 500 in a year where the S&P 500 is strong you're almost you're not going to beat that most likely because by definition you are hedging some of that upside um, but still this year 2% on average we're looking at for hedge funds that that is woefully um, not good <laughs> and and you know these macro funds are even worse maybe 1% we're looking at returns for the for those guys so you know, you're seeing a lot of the smaller hedge funds close. We're on pace probably for a thousand funds to close this year. Um, it's hard for the smaller funds to raise capital. The the big guys, the well-known guys, can still raise money. There have been inflows into the hedge fund world in 2014, but it's very hard for the smaller guys to compete. And when they put up poor performance like this, they end up just having to shut their doors. We were talking before we started taping today, and I was saying to you, and and. You used to run a hedge fund, yeah. And I was saying to you, uh, when I hear hedge fund, I automat it's like a dog whistle. I automatically <laughs> think high risk. And you were saying to me, no, it's not. It's it's ju- it is literally, <laughs> it's literally a hedge. And at some point along the way, I don't know why. Maybe it was the bad behavior of some hedge fund managers mm-hmm. that just had that put that in my brain. But it, it I've, I've always had that thought. There's, well, there's a few things going on. The, the the term hedge fund really does mean, as you say, 
we're hedging our bets, right? We're doing some long, some short. By definition, it should mean lower risk. Right. Now, the term hedge funds, I don't really think applies across the board any longer. The, the real term is investment partnership. It's a fund, a private fund, and there's dozens and dozens of strategies. My hedge funds, for the most part, were unhedged. Um, they were based on a deep value philosophy of investing. Um, so, hedge fund is, is pretty much a misnomer in that case. You weren't um, shorting anything. Of, here and there, Rarely. but it wasn't a primary strategy. Um, the, the hedge fund, um, it's a structure, it's a partnership structure, and it's, you know, there's a fee structure as well that is somewhat typical. One or two percent management fee, 20 percent of the profits. But when you have underperformance like you're having now and have had over, the, over many years, you start to see people pushing back on those fees. And they are coming down over time. I don't think anyone's going to feel bad for these hedge fund managers who earn lots and lots of money, even, you know, on, under lower um, fee structures, and even in years when they don't beat the S and P 500, because um, you're taking a 20 percent um, fee on on your on your profits, not on the amount you beat the S and P by. So you can still make good money even in a year where you don't outperform. But we're starting to see pressure. We're starting to see people push back. We're starting to see those um, fees come down. I was just going to ask: Do you think five years from now, the majority that 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 becomes? If not a new norm in the hedge fund industry that we have lower fees across the board, do you think it becomes a selling point for some hedge funds where they say, "Look, we're, we're, we've structured our fees in such a way that we're not getting paid huge money if we're not beating the market like we think we can." Yeah, I do. I, th- I think we see a return to that. I think the the guys that continue to prove that they can outperform, perhaps we'll be able to charge even more, 30% of the profits we sometimes even see. But for the rest of the gang, you'll see fees come down. We'll probably get back to um, the world of hurdle rates, which is you pick a number, let's say 6%, and say, if we don't exceed 6%, we're taking not going to take 20% of anything. We have to beat 6%, or we have to beat the market, and then our incentive fees will kick in. You'll start to see more of that, and, and less performance picks up. Now, you know, in a, in a pretty strong bull market, as I said, you'd probably expect to see hedge funds um, underperform. If things get weak now, as they tend to do after several years of strength, then hedge funds will start to look better, and we we'll, could be having a different conversation in a year or two. Radio at Fool.com is our email address from Dr. Marvin Wang in Boston, Massachusetts. I know you've discussed this before, how the term perfect storm was just so overly used and in the wrong context. I've decided that there's a new one for this year, and that is organic. Not just the fact that it is overly used in the food markets and that no one really knows what it means in terms of your produce, but the fact that it's being used in all other kinds of contexts. I just heard a discussion on CNBC where the interviewer was asking a guest if the merger can be done, quote, organically. What the (laughs) F does that even mean? I actually don't know what that means. The yoga instructors out there telling us to make our moves more organic. Is that supposed to have meaning for me? I think the gist of using it as an adjective is to infer that it is more wholesome, but I don't know how all this came about. Anyway, thought you might find that amusing. Love the show. I listen to it every Saturday, regardless of what workout I'm doing. Uh, That's great. Thank you. I'm pretty sure he's referring to our radio show. Uh, And also, an email from uh, Prajesh Mishra in Bangalore, India. I learned a new thing today, and since you have a Boston connection, Chris, I thought this would resonate with you. Merry Christmas, my friend, and happy holidays. And he sent me 
a uh, a story about something that I was unfamiliar with. Maybe you are. Mm-hmm. The Boston Snow Indicator. Do you know about this? I don't think I know about it. Although I did go to school college. I was going to say you and I so both went we to school at Boston, tough winters. so we should know about this. But it is a market theory that states that a white Christmas in Boston, Massachusetts, will result in rising stock prices for the following year. Um, and so, uh, for example, in the Christmas of 1995, Boston had snow. Uh, that Christmas and the following year, the S&P 500 increased more than 20%. Um, but in the story he, he sent along, it says, as you may have guessed, there is no logical correlation between whether <laughs> the, And so it is. it is come to be known not as the Boston Snow Indicator, but as the BS Indicator. <laughs> nice. That strikes me as appropriate. <laughs> I like that. So thank you for that. <laughs> I feel a little bit better that you didn't know about it either. No. Not just because you you also went to school in Boston, but because... Uh, I'd never heard of it. No, you just know a lot more. But than those winters were brutal. Uh, it could be worse. We could, we, could have been, uh, we could have been wintering in northern Minnesota like uh, our friend Seth Jason. Good point. All right. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you on Monday.